The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Twenty twenty two. I think we can all agree it wasn't the year for tech stocks in the marketplace. However, things are starting to look up and the prices. Well, if you're an astute buyer and do your homework, what's cheap now could be a winner for your portfolio. Time to do a little bit of research. I'm Christina Morrissey. Welcome to Stock Insiders. And the stock I've chosen for us to have a dive into today is Spectre, code SP3. The stock is cheap right now. Sales are moving, revenue is coming in, some interesting recent moves and announcements that make it look quite attractive. Frankly, even if you just want to stop and listen about the tech itself, you're going to learn a lot in the next 20 minutes because it's a really clever bit of tech that's been developed right here in Australia. And the person in charge, both MD and CEO, is this fellow, Gerard Dyson. Gerard, hello. Well, hello. Uh, it's a pleasure to be talking to you. Fantastic. Now, before we get into the financial upside of things for Spectre, I'm going to get you to intro what it is that the company does, because you're a bit of a niche within a niche that has huge international potential and no real competition from, from what I can see. I'm yet to find anyone tackling the problems for customers that you're solving in such a comprehensive way. Give us the Spectre mission. All right. Well, Spectre is about making communities safer, smarter and more sustainable in temporary, remote and unpowered outdoor areas. So you're spot on, Chris. Uh, It is a niche within a niche. But um, at the moment, people are feeling less safe in their communities uh, and and not as sustainable as they'd like to be. And we provide a a solution, which is a combination of hardware technology and uh, cloud technology that uh, it's solar powered, it's all connected together, and it really solves problems that make communities safer, smarter, and more sustainable. So what does it look like out in the field, as it were? Um, well, almost all of them are solar powered. So they typically, um, you know, so there's a couple of different places you might see them. If you go down a beach in Western Australia or in New South Wales or Queensland, for example, you might find a camera tower, which will have speakers and lights and a solar panel and a camera. Uh, you know, a lot of these are connected to the shark warning systems. So if a shark swims by near the area, they'll tell people to get out of the water. They'll allow lifesavers to see what's going on. They can even have a VoIP phone. So if someone's drowning, they can run up to it, press a button, get some help. So that's sort of some of the applications. You might see it on a construction site where mm-hmm. at night it's watching the site. Uh, it's using artificial intelligence to make sure that no one's where they're not meant to be. It can tell the difference between a person and a moving branch, and then it can speak to them and contact a, uh, a guard service or a patrol if the wrong person is in the wrong place at the wrong time. So um, that's just, I guess, two examples of what they look like and what they might be seeing. How easy are they to install? So we've spent a lot of time on what looks really simple and easy uh, to make it really simple and easy. So one person with a van, no working at heights, no cranes, no forklifts, no big trucks, none of those sorts of things. We can have one up and running within less than an hour. And if you do it on a trailer, which we have a trailer option too, then you can have it up and running in less than five minutes. But generally speaking, you know, uh, we can, one person on their own, uh, you know, modest health can assemble one of these uh, in less than an hour. 
Very inclusive. I like that. How about these? You, you talked about the solar power, the tech that's powering the systems. How does that work? So we design our systems from the bottom up, right down to the level of designing and manufacturing our own electronics, our own mechanical systems, our own um, software and our hardware. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the systems, have, they've got a solar panel. They typically have a, a processing devices in them. Uh, they have cameras, they have lights, they have speakers, they've got sensors. They're on poles, they've got batteries. There's a whole pile of different things, but we bring them together in a very efficient and very um, you know, cost-effective, reliable, repeatable way, easy to install, easy to maintain, easy to support. You mentioned the the example of the building um, sites and also the, the beaches. Who are your customers typically? So uh, we've tried to be quite disciplined. You know, the fox that chases many rabbits catches none. So we have been very focused on um, government utility type customers and also looking after construction and building. And what we've found on the side of that is increasingly we're pushing into the reseller market too. So our biggest customers today are hire companies that will buy our systems and then hire them out, or they're security companies that will buy our systems and hire them out in combination with guard services or patrols or, or fencing solutions. They're asset management companies that might, for example, be looking after a Department of Defence base and they will buy our systems and then rent them out. Or even AI companies that are wanting to deploy their artificial intelligence, but they're not into hardware. They don't want to have to design a system to be able to deploy their camera-based AI. And so they'll either buy from us or they'll rent from us and deploy that. And then we also have some director customer work as well, Department of Fisheries, local councils, constructors themselves that will buy or rent from us directly. Uh, before I touch on, no, let me touch on AI first because that, that really grabbed my attention. So what is the potential of AI with your platform? Well, I think the difference between us and many stocks in this space is that we're not trying to be an AI company. Um, we're, we're like the... Um, People that manufactured the picks and shovels during the gold rush, they're the ones that made the money. And or, or perhaps even a pipeliner in the oil and gas industry. You know, we're not refining it and we're not extracting it from the ground. We're just clipping the ticket. And our solutions can allow other parties, third party AI to be deployed and used. And it's either to gather the data and they can do it in their own cloud systems or it is to deploy their solutions on our edge devices or in our cloud and provide those solutions as well. So we've designed everything to be very modular and very flexible to help other people deploy their AI or us to deploy other people's AI. Now, I said at the start that I really can't find anything that does quite what you do anywhere. Is there anyone similar? Um, no. I mean, that's oh, what a great question. Um, I, there are other people that do solar-powered cameras, but that's like saying I've got a wheel and this is the same as a car. So so in that sense, no. Um, having a fully programmable edge device that you can plug in lots of different solutions, that's really quite unique. Uh, there are other ways you can solve some of, our pro of the problems that we solve, um, but we are relatively unique in this space. And it's difficult to follow us because we have expertise in software, both on the cloud and in the edge devices, and also in the hardware. So the mechanicals and the electronics in how we make it all come together and work in a very cost-effective, very reliable, repeatable. Well, we have more than 2,800 systems deployed across the country now. I mean, that doesn't happen by, you know, two men and a dog getting together, cobbling together a bit of stuff on the back of the truck. This is repeatable.
And that's Australia. So how big is the potential market for Spectre? Well, we, we think in Australia there's another order of magnitude just in Australia. I mean, we, we've got uh, probably 45% of our business in WA because that's where we started from. And WA makes up less than 10% of the, the country. So you could you know do the math on that one pretty simply uh, to see what the scaling opportunity is. And so... Uh, you know, we've got offices in Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and now Auckland as well. We've got the uh, facilities and we're, we, you know, we're set up to scale and we're, we're pushing very hard on doing that. I mean, the accessible market is huge. And that's before you go outside of the geographies that are in, before you go outside of the target sectors that we're in, before you go outside of the range of solutions that we offer. Yeah, and before we go outside of this country, we'll talk to you about that in a second. (laughs) So I think people who are looking to invest with Spectre will want to know a bit more about the person that's in charge of the company. So your journey to MD and CEO is quite interesting and and unexpected in some ways because it wasn't that long ago you were in charge of a billion-dollar infrastructure portfolio with, was it Worley? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, why why did you jump across from there with your security, et cetera? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a it's a good question. Um, I was living overseas when I when I finished at Wally. I was living in in North America and looking after Americas and uh, for their consulting business. But uh, you know, to be fair, I wanted to have a chance to live in Australia again. And you know, a lot of what we did or what I did in that business was we ran our strategy business, our strategy consulting business amongst our other types of consulting. And there's something about telling other people how to do things and uh, giving them advice that at some point you say, well, I actually reckon we could do that ourselves a lot better. And it's uh, with very large organisations, it's sometimes quite difficult to make strategic change. And so the opportunity presented itself, and I'm very much simplifying the story now, but the opportunity presented itself to, um, to you know, have a, a role uh, at Spectre and uh, to reinvent Spectre effectively. Uh, yeah, we've, we've done. I love it. I was listening to someone talk about it the other day and they said to me, oh, God, he was, he was, he was interesting because he, he had a chat to them about what they could do and they said, well, why don't you do it with us? Yes, that's what happened. (laughs) I said, now you're doing it. You're doing it now. And you seem to be quite successful at it, um, quite frankly, as well. What is the vision that you've brought to to, to Spectre? And you've updated that recently as well for growth, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, look, I believe we can be a a huge organisation. The opportunity here is we are very early in in, in um, in this market. And if you use the analogy of 12 years ago, the first iPhone came out. Now, if you'd ask Steve Jobs what it could do, he would like, oh, it makes phone calls, uh, plays music, access the internet. He didn't have any idea of all the different things that it could do and all the potential. And that's what I believe we can provide with these sensing, thinking and acting platforms that are connected. Uh, and, and when you go outdoors and you go into these remote locations, we're really only just scratching the surface because we've never been able to deploy technology reliably and affordably to those places in the past. And I think when you start exploring those opportunities and then you provide a platform environment, much like iPhone or, or iTunes, where different third parties can deploy their AI or their sensors or their dashboards and you create an ecosystem for them. You know, we've already got more than 600 customers. It doesn't take much longer before you start to become the platform in this space and all of a sudden things start to snowball. So, um, you know, we're, you know, I think it's, we could be a very, very large organisation if we, you know, 
have a bit of luck and um, have a, thing, a few things go our way that we are planning on having go our way. All right, let's talk sales, acquisitions and debt. Your sales are rising, the cash flow is coming in and let's use Optus uh, for that example. Yeah, I mean, we, so the business has proven itself. Uh, I mentioned before more than 600 customers, but a lot of them include tier one institutional grade customers. You know, we, we had Optus uh, expand their... Um, you know, their existing commitment by more than a million dollars recently uh, to, you know, which is a f- tremendous endorsement of the success and the impact that Spectre technology has on them as a customer. And we have a range of other customers, whether they are local government, state government, major asset managers, you know, uh, international hire companies and the like that are increasingly turning to Spectre to provide this sort of platform technology. And so we've kind of, uh, made the jump from, you know, two men and a dog building through to, um, you know, being a provider of tier one customers. Uh, yeah. So that's, I, I, you know, I think we've, we've crossed that chasm and now it's just about us scaling that up at the moment. And so that's it's obviously very exciting. And is that a one-off sale or is that a recurring thing? How does it work? Um, well, we, we originally did, you know, like all of these things, they start out with a, as an acorn. Uh, if you go back to the, you know, the Optus example, and this is very typical of many customers. We'll trial a few with you, then we'll rent a few, then we might buy a couple, and then now it's got a little bit bigger. Now I need to go and get some more approvals. So now we'll buy twenty or thirty, and now it's outside of that procurement level. So now we need a, a agreement. And so last year or a year or two back, we did our first million dollar deal with Optus to, you know, buy a bag of them, and then we've sort of they've deployed that bag, and then they come back again recently and said, oh, I want another bag, and so now we're in the process of deploying that bag. So um, you know, when it's new technology, people want to test it out first because it is new. Everyone wants to be the first to be second, but even then they are, um, you know, all of these things, they start small, but then they snowball. And that's, we have built that foundation with these institutional customers. Now they're just, we're just rolling it out. Uh, we've done the hard Let's talk about meaningful relationships. 2023 has seen a jump off the dating treadmill onto some more meaningful relationships. Tell us about the acquisitions and how they're assisting Spectre's vision and strategy. Well, we, we have dated many and married none up to this point. Uh, and, you know, we've gone a long way. Um, we ha- we've had a number of other acquisitions, which we've gone almost to the point. I've uh, done all fuel, fuel, full due diligence and pulled back. Um, so it's not that we weren't interested, but our strategy is not built around acquisition. I think that's a very dangerous place to be. We've got a very clear strategic path that we wanted to follow. And it turned out that 3CT, who we'd been looking at for quite some time, uh, decided to, you know, flutter their eyelids at us at, at exactly the right moment last year. And, uh, and so we did pursue that. And it te- seemed as though, um, you know, everything lined up on that, both culturally, uh, the technology, the pricing, the attitude and approach of the sellers, uh, you know, all of those things came together. And uh, that acquisition has been a tremendous strategic benefit. It moves our technology in the direction that we had already planned to move organically. It moves it in one foul swoop by at least a couple of years. Uh, what we have from our cloud stack now in terms of ability to manage multiple data sets and different AI with a great UI UX is, is just, it's there. And we got talent and we got more than a million dollars of positive EBITDA revenue and we got some cash and we got some, you know, half a million bucks worth of net tangible assets and we've got a customer in the US, you know, so there's a whole bag of stuff that we got on the back of this and, um, 
you know, very, very pleased. Every time I look back on that acquisition a bit more, I just, you know, I find more value that we've been extract from it. So very pleased. That was February's successful dating and eyelash fluttering. How about April's? Well, um, so March we did. Oh, we can't forget. Can't forget March. Um, we did. Um, uh, we acquired our partner uh, in New Zealand. So Spectre New Zealand, we were a fifty-one forty-nine percent joint venture. Now we are, uh, you know, one hundred percent Spectre New Zealand, and you know that was, you know, a very deliberate strategy that I believe we would use again. You want to go into a new geography, you find a partner, you work with them, they help you get established, they have the local contacts, the local networks, how things get done. You build a team, and then you know over time you you take them out, um, or, or they stay in, but but. But on this occasion, you take them out. All right. You, you've also spent a bit of money and late on increasing available hardware and in your inventory as well. Yes. I mean, we, we did a capital raising uh, last July, August, and we uh, told the market what we were going to spend the money on. And it was around really renewing our technology stack, both in our hardware and our uh, cloud environment as well. And we've done that work. I mean, what we are releasing now, we've got our star powers in the market, our HD6 is uh, in advanced testing prototypes. Uh, that'll be in the market next month and our Star 7 not too long after that. will give us a full new hardware stack. Uh, and then we'll also, uh, the work that we've done over the last six months on our effectively replacing our cloud infrastructure um, and updating that and building out a new DevOps environment has just underpinned the ability for the business to go from 2,800 cameras to 10,000 or more potentially, and also to scale internationally when we're ready to do that. So um, we did what we said we would do. We spent the money the way that we would spend it. We didn't spend any extra, although we did do an acquisition that we hadn't planned for, in fact, two of them. Um, but those things have really brought a lot of stuff further forward and, and underpin big margin improvements, big uh, overhead savings as well. All right, Gerard, let's talk about those two acquisitions and the, and the inventory expansion because it doesn't come cheap. So uh, re- reflected maybe by the stock price, and I'm interested though, you, you remain optimistic. So what is fueling the optimism considering the debt? Yeah, so we've reduced our debt um, very recently. We only owe $650,000 and that doesn't expire until December 24. So that's effectively, you know, um, know, off the table, I would suggest at the moment. We did a small placement to help us reduce that. We did it with zero discount. So at last traded price, no discount, no options, no broker fees, no legal fees. We just did it with existing trusted shareholders. And we got more than we thought we were going to get. So we had to stop it. Uh, at, at that amount because uh, we didn't want to be dilutive. And that's a fantastic story. So, and what the money that we have in the bank now is what we believe that we need to consistently get the business to uh, profitability. You know, we don't believe that we need to be going out um, shopping anymore. And so we're just going to go about our business right now because all that work that we did, the work that we've done now is effectively underpinning improved gross margin going forward, reduced overhead going forward. And with the growing top line that we have at the moment, those three things all come together. Hey, presto, profitable business. You're a happy man, Gerard. The sales, growth, momentum all appears high. Stock price is low, way ahead of any potential competitor. What are you expecting the next 12 months to be like at Spectre? Uh, well, you know, gone out of my way to avoid providing guidance. So I expect that we will be um, delighting a lot of customers. I will be delighting a lot of shareholders. I think we'll be surprising a few along the way too. Um, I believe that you know we will be seeing some very substantial 
uh, sales, uh, big customers, big orders. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, we are at the point where Spectre is, is ready, to, ready to grow up now. You know, we've done the work. You know, we had a bit of a distraction in, in COVID. Uh, that's behind us now. The tech work's done. There's no more excuses. Um, I, think, I think it's going to, the next 12 months are going to be very, very exciting uh, in Spectre. In fact, the next six months, I would suggest, will be very exciting, Inspector, and um, really looking forward to sharing the results that we've been able to deliver on the back of that in, you know, probably six months' time. Looking forward to hearing more about it, Gerard Dyson, the very optimistic MD and CEO of Spectre, talking about the company's vision. Gerard, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. And I should also say it's strategy for growth, productivity, margin improvement, and as we heard, a really big focus on driving towards profitability. So could it be the next stop you're looking to, to add a bit of, I was going to say profit, but I think Gerard would probably say delight after that last little bit there, into your investment portfolio. Do your research. We'll be interested to hear your play and why. I'm Christina Morrissey. Talk to you on the next edition of Stock Insiders. Stock Insiders.